Welcome to Leader You by Black River Performance Management, where we believe work should fuel the human spirit, not drain it. In this leadership podcast, we will dive into the lived experiences of people flourishing in today's workplace and beyond. Join us to hear real-life examples of experiences from our own lives and from the leaders we know and trust. Hey, thank you for joining today. My name is Angie Leone with Black River Performance Management, and today I have the pleasure of introducing one of my best dear friends, Sharice Brown from Idaho State University. She is the director of the START program. She's a phenomenal human being. She is one that I could not do life without. And I am going, I'm so excited to share her story with you today. Good morning. So, Sharice. You know, we've been having a lot of conversations over the years about resilience. We have, yes. yes. And um, that's one of the things that I think is a major, it's a great leadership competency. And it's one of the things that I see in you that I know that attracts me to people that are resilient because I know that when I go through a difficult time, I'm going to be able to lean on you, find information, um, have somebody that helps me. Uh, you're the person that gets in the trenches with somebody. Yes. And so um, I wanted to have you here first as my first guest. Is This is our first podcast. So the reason I chose you to be first is because I've just enjoyed your stories and all the things that you've shared with me along the way and also how you've been side by side with me in the trenches. So I'm really excited to talk about some of the things that we've learned together and discovered these past few years as we've been working together, going through life, and also with students' lives and just people that we know in our in our world and and the struggles that we've been through. We were side by side on that Corona coaster. Yes, riding the highs and the lows, and um, so I really want to talk and and I'd like to start out with having you share your story. Just there's so much to share and. So um, in, in thinking about that question, sharing my story, you know, you kind of go, what do I want to share and how much do I want to? So in uh, kind of thinking through that, I grew up in Incom, Idaho, which is, you know, 10 minutes south of Pocatello, pretty small town, uh, grew up in a single parent home. My parents split when I was pretty young, which, you know, that that helps to shape you as a young child. We didn't have a lot growing up. And so, you know, you never know how your life's going to gonna turn out. And um, I got the chance to move to Twin Falls in middle school where I worked out my hellion years. <laughs> We've all had some hellion years. Yes. Uh, and then I got to go to California where my grandma lived and we got to uh, finish out uh, high school there. One of the coolest experiences of my whole life, just meeting people, living close to the beach having a whole different way of life from, you know, tiny income all the way to, to Bay California. My graduating class had hundreds of people versus just, you know, seven. a small amount, seven or <laughs> seven or so. And so it was really cool to be able to get to do that. And then um, I decided to move back after I graduated. And I, at 19, got married young and went right into having kids. And at 30, um, that wasn't going to work out. And so I had to move back to Idaho to get closer to family and try to refigure out what my life looked like. I didn't know because I knew everything at 19, but at 29, when it was about time to call things, you know, quit, I, I realized I didn't really know a whole lot. So I had to do a whole lot of, of self-learning and seeking and trying to 
figure out life on a different level. So I put myself uh, through college and I worked part time and uh, raised my kids with the help of my uh, ex-husband. We co-parented very well together. And here I sit today at what I feel living in my purpose, um, doing the work that I love. But it took a lot, a lot of work, yeah. a lot of struggle, a lot of overcoming and becoming and my goodness, it just looking back on it, I sometimes I go, did that all happen? It just seemed like, you know, it kind of get it gets blurred because mm-hmm. there's so much to it. But um, really, I think what my biggest takeaway is now that my kids are grown and and I have a grandbaby is is just like you asked me about resiliency. What were my tools? What did I use? How did I do that? Mm-hmm. How did I get here? And so I'm excited to talk about that with you today. Because yeah. you and I share so much when it comes to that. And we, we read the same books and we talk the same language. And it, it really is helpful to have people who are passionate about resiliency. So yeah. thank you for having me on and braving with me today. It takes yes. a lot to brave this today. I'll it tell does. You it's the big V vulnerable. It is big, big V vulnerable. It's yes. definitely not easy to come up here and talk about your resilience or things that you've went through. And I know you've had some really hardships. So let's let's take it down to, uh, break it down to, I mean, what were some of the hardest things to overcome and, and in your personal and professional life? Um, I think being willing to discover, you know, more about myself, but then what I wanted out of life, where, where I wanted to go, what I wanted to do, how I was going to get there. And really remembering that my kids were watching was the biggest thing. And so, you know, how how do I handle or manage this in a way that, I can be proud of that they can be proud of that that will make me take me to my next best level but still stumbling and fumbling the whole way. Right. Yeah, and it's it's not a pretty process and it's especially hard when people are watching you live in a smaller town, you know a lot of people and it's like, "Oh, this this isn't ideal, but you have to remember there's people you can reach to for help and there's mm-hmm. people that will help pull you through when you need it and and really just kind of figuring out what it is that that you need to help you get through it. And I consider myself a trench worker, like you said, mm-hmm. but I'm also a seeker. You know, mm-hmm. I think you and I both do a lot of that where it's, I want to know how somebody got through this. So I'm going to go find out what did they do? How did they do it? What worked for them? What didn't work? Or I'm going to, I'm going to read a, a book or a story, or I'm going to, to learn a new technique, or I'm going to go to a, a conference or a training. Like I just am always hungry mm-hmm. for how to do things so that I can feel like I'm capable not that I'm not struggling, but, you know, that gives me a little more hope in the process of getting through things. So Absolutely. So as you were going through the divorce and everything, what were some of the, that, that was a, probably a big challenge. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's not just redefining yourself, but it's trying to, what I, what I would say is like keeping my head up or my kid's head above water while I felt like I was sinking, right? And then trying to keep life somewhat normal, happy, stable, but then trying to figure out, you know, kind of go, it's like going back to square one, you know, on Candyland, you mm-hmm. have to go clear back to the beginning. That's mm-hmm. what it felt like. And yeah. so not comparing myself to others and my situation to others was really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to figure out what I wanted my future to look like as far as family dynamics, trying to figure out what relationships I wanted to hold on to, which ones are going to be important. And, oh man, I it just, I just remember feeling sad and lost a lot, mm-hmm. a lot. Going through a divorce myself after 18 years, I think that um, you really find out who your real friends are, don't you? Oh, yeah. 
I'm still finding out. And mm-hmm. I'm 48 years old. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, so that's tough, too. Mm-hmm. People that you might have known your whole entire life that um, mm-hmm. all of a sudden turn on you. Yeah. Well, and I think really just recognizing that you're on different paths and that you may want to climb one ladder and they're going to climb another and maybe they don't intersect anymore. Mm-hmm. And trying to learn how to not take that personally when they've been a confidant or somebody that mm-hmm. you've really leaned on for, you know, emotional and, and mental comfort and, and support. So really just finding out, too, that I think it's my job to know what I need and to support myself first and foremost before I reach out and, and try to drain other people. Because I know there were times that I was like, help, 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 mm-hmm. you know, and, and there were people at that time that did help me quite a bit. But then recognizing I got this now. I'm OK. Yeah, I can do this. You need a life preserver for a little bit. You really do. You know, it, <laughs> every, that's very true. Yeah, for sure. So what did you learn? What did, what was your biggest takeaway from that that um, hardship? I think now at my age, if you asked me 10 years ago, it'd be completely different. I think now at my age, I would say that um, that you can do it and do it in a way that you're proud of. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like that all the time. It feels uncomfortable and raw and um, just just unco- and uncomfortable in ways that you never experienced discomfort yeah. before. But I think... Uh, my ex-husband and I really made a point to co-parent our children uh, and put our stuff out of the way. And I think our kids have benefited from that. We get a lot of compliments from people as to the way that we we handle things. And I mean, people have come up and been like, how are you guys even friends? And I'm like, how are you not? It's not about you. It's about your kids. Put them first and let everything else fall in line. But that was a really... That was a really good thing that kind of kept the ship afloat for me because I didn't have to worry as much about my kids because I didn't feel like I had to do it alone or you had to do it alone. They feel like they had us. But uh, I look back, too, and I and I think you work hard. You put your head down and you grind like getting an education. Then the best things I ever did. Uh, and I know now education is something nobody can take away from you. And so. Um, and, and the feeling you get when you've accomplished that is like nothing else. And so and when you I, can support your kids and you can, yeah. And I just remember thinking I have to support these kids. And so how am I going to do that on a waitress's wages? And I didn't want to, mm-hmm. didn't want that to be my reality. And so I worked hard to put my head down and I just kept going. Yeah. You know, you cry yourself to sleep and you stay up late at night and you're up in the morning and you're going, 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 but um, it's worth it. Like, and understanding that I'm worth it was one of the other takeaways from it is that, you know, when you work hard, there's payoffs and that feels good. And so now, um, I graduated and then, you know, I started doing the jobs that you can do with a degree at first and started working my way up, got some leadership opportunities and supervisory opportunities. And then, um, just kept trying to, you know, what's my next best thing, my next best thing. And now I, like my job that I have now really aligns with my purpose and who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. This is like the best thing ever. And you get to do it every day and I people that it. are in the trenches. Yeah. And I don't, I don't can like, and I, I used to hate when people would say this, like, I don't you do what you love. You never work a day in your life, but it's true. Mm-hmm. I get to go to work. I get to work with students who are coming out of difficult relationships. Maybe they're at risk. Maybe they've been told their whole lives will never amount to anything. You're not smart enough. You're not worthy. You're not enough. And we get to change, help change their mindset and get them 
on a path where they know that they're smart, they know they're capable, they know they can do hard things, but I couldn't tell them that if I didn't go through it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be uh, um, somebody that they would consider an authentic, authentic yeah. witness or, you know yeah. what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, yeah, who is she to say, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I honestly can say if I can do it, you can do it. And that, that feels good. Like looking back, you want your struggle to have some sort of meaning or purpose. Yeah. So now that I get to work with these students and I get to do the work that I love, I really see the meaning in my struggle and I'm grateful for it. Absolutely. Because without it, you know, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't relate, be really. who I am. Mm-hmm. No, no. And you wouldn't either. Yeah. Right? If you were still where you were at, you wouldn't be where you are today. Exactly. So we met through the START program when I came to ISU, Mm -hmm. and that was such a phenomenal experience for me, getting to work with you and also getting to know the students and some of them, some of the hardships that they went through. and Just the most courageous humans you've ever met, yeah. And so when we were working with, so you want to tell them about the START program? So Yeah, so the START program is a free college prep program. Uh, It's for anyone with their GED or diploma who wants to go to school or back to school. Maybe you don't know what you want to do. You just know you want something better. And so you come work with us for a semester and we have you take some assessments like career and personality assessments. Uh, you, You come two days a week. You practice, you know, parking and managing your time and prioritizing things and and you do homework, you turn in assignments, we help you apply for ISU, we help you with your financial aid, we help you with scholarships, uh, applying for scholarships. And really what we do is just get you your confidence built as far as being able to be a college student. And the transformation that happens in our program is phenomenal. So In one semester. In one semester, they take math, writing, tech, and research, and then uh, college success is the class I get to teach. And in that class, I teach on emotional intelligence, which... I'm the keeper of the flame that you brought to ISU because you introduced this to me Mm -hmm. and my students call it life-changing and life-saving. Because of that, man, I've had students just overcoming and overcoming and overcoming and feeling like they can do it in a a confident, competent way. Mm -hmm. It changes people's lives. It does. So great. And I got to see that firsthand. And I I think teaching people how to manage their emotions um, actually helps them to become more resilient. Yeah. Because when we're overwhelmed or we don't even have language for our, for our emotions and we don't know how to name them or describe what we're feeling, we have no way to, to get the help or ask for the things that we yeah, need. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that I heard the students say over and over again is, why didn't somebody teach me this 20 years ago? It yeah. might have saved my marriage. It yeah. might have saved my life. It, I could be in such a different place. Yeah. Yeah. And I think social emotional learning is such an important piece mm-hmm. and it's missing in our society um, today. And unfortunately, people aren't learning it in the homes. And so emotional intelligence is part of resilience, I yeah, think, understanding I your emotions. And I think it gives them tools to say, oh, I know what to do here versus I feel lost. I can I feel confused. I'm going to turn to other things. I'm going to go back to what I know. I'm going to continue the cycle. It gives them other options outside of where they're at. And I really believe that it helps um, eliminate human suffering. It helps us to become better and more confident in who we are, mm-hmm. how we speak, how we advocate for ourselves, how we interact with other people, how we build our relationships. I I mean, it's a game changer. It, it really is. So that has helped me. I mean, I you didn't bring it until what, three years ago, four years ago that I learned it. Mm-hmm. And I, these are the kinds of things where I'm like, 
I, I want to get this into all the cracks I can mm -hmm. so that people can recognize you don't have to stay stuck. There's things out there that can help you. Absolutely. Part of my mission. Yeah. And those students talk about resilience. I mean, some of the stories of the people that go through that START program, I mean, I, rem I recall people sleeping in their cars. I mm -hmm. recall um, domestic abuse. I recall straight out of incarceration. Mm -hmm. um, just the stories. Yeah. And so how have they taught you how to become more resilient? Well, I think I can't, I can't tell them to keep their head in the game and keep their head down and keep pushing if I'm not willing to do the same, right? And if I can't give them some tips. And so I may have a student come from two, two years ago and say, I'm in struggle. What, what are some ideas? And for me to say, let's, let's look back. What did you learn here? What were some things that worked back then? They know it. It's just sometimes they need to be they need a reminder, mm -hmm. right? Because we get lost in the hurt and the struggle. Mm -hmm. So um, I've seen, um, I've seen them reach back and be able to find it themselves. They just needed that reminder. But I've also been like, so inspired by them. They make me want to work harder and be better and do more and and learn more so that I can can I'm like just continually striving to become more than I was before. So that, you know, um, what is that? My Angelo has a quote says, um, I work hard because I'm counting on you, counting on me. And I love that because I really I know what a lifeline the START program has been for so many students long before me, by yeah. the way. Mm -hmm. But also, I want to be a lifeline, but they don't recognize it a lot of times. If I'm in my own struggle, I'm watching them and going, if they can do that. They've been incarcerated for five years, and the first brave thing they did was step out here and get into this program. I can do hard things, too. Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. so watching their resilience inspires and strengthens me. Really. I would have to say it did me, too, when I was there watching and hearing their stories. And I know we both had one student that particularly where we protected and tried to put belief in her and, and let her know that she mattered and, and just, and it ended up in suicide. Right? Yeah. It did. And that was a really difficult time for us. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a difficult time for um, the whole start class. Yeah. Oh, in yeah. our program. Yeah. And, um, that, there's not a lot of stories that end like that, but that one really, really stuck with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think what stuck with me is that she was such a great example to me of what fortitude and tenacity and, and real spirited living looked like. And then to see that she had just had enough. And then, but also that part of EQ, I remember um, texting you and saying, I'm not okay. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. I'm going to get emotional. Yeah, that's okay. It's that's the part of the EQ part where, you know, I would, I had closed myself off to wanting help for people because, you know, we talked about friendships and we talked about how you get through those hard times. Well, sometimes it means you just take care of yourself and you quit reaching out because it, it's complicated and hard and sharing is too vulnerable. And people who don't haven't earned the right to hear your story or they haven't kept your story, uh, between you, it gets hard to, to be brave enough to reach out. But I remember getting my phone and it took me a few minutes to text you and say, I'm not okay. And I knew that you would know what it felt like to experience that loss. But I also knew that I could trust you with what I needed to say, mm -hmm. which EQ helped teach me that too, is to, you know, 
what am I feeling? Why am I feeling this way? What do I need? Well, in that moment, I needed a friend. Mm-hmm. So it helped me to really identify that. And it helped me to to understand better, you know, that, that loss. Because mm. it wasn't just mine. Mm-hmm. Everybody went through it. Everybody went through it, yeah. And grief is hard, and and she had so much hope and so much passion and so much spunk. Mm, Boy, she that, was spunk. Oh yeah, she, she was spunky. definitely so much spunk. Yeah, so, yeah, that was a really difficult time. And then we went into COVID. So, what did you learn from COVID? <laughs> well, I learned that I like quiet time mm-hmm. and um, being able to really take the time to to. Uh, appreciate what's important in life. And I remember spending a lot of time with my kids and, and doing activities like, Hey, come over, let's do ch- sidewalk chalk night mm-hmm. or let's tie dye t-shirts or let's do puzzle night. And it really kind of reconnected us back to a level of importance as far as just having family there. But it also reminded me, you know, we, have, we enjoy a lot of freedoms every day mm-hmm. that we often take for granted and really even not being able to see someone's face just felt so disconnecting. So I did feel somewhat disconnected and it just wore on me as time went on where I just started feeling like, Oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do this anymore. This is, this is a lot. So looking back on it, I think there were some really, really valuable things that, that came of it, but I also feel like it was a great reminder of holding on to what's important and making mm-hmm. time for that. How do you think you became more resilient because of it? Because of COVID? I, I think what I think I my answer to that would be I watched how we as humans figured out new ways of doing things. And I was inspired by that. Mm-hmm. And no, we can't connect in the normal ways that we're used to. But what I mean, the slowdown was important. And then really, I, I took time to read books mm-hmm. that I've wanted to read for years, ones that of, of people and women who are inspiring and game changers and healers Mm -hmm. and people who are, you know, really trying to make a difference in the world. So I think that that helped me build some resilience too, is jumping into that. Because forever, when, you know, when you go to school, you're reading what you have to read, not what you want to read. So now, um, and then I've been working on my master's since you and I had the conversation when you were like, hey, you should go get a master's. And I was like, you're talking to me. Are you shooting on me? Are you shooting on me right now? And are you talking to me like, do you know how hard an undergrad was? And you were like, no, you can do it. I'll do it with you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Take my hand, I'll do it with you. Yeah. So, you know, getting to learn new things and using my mind for things in ways that I hadn't mm-hmm. before really is when you when you have a lot more information, a lot more information, you can make well-informed decisions. Mm-hmm. You can trust your instincts when you get quiet and you listen and you trust your gut mm-hmm. and you, you know, those are the things that I took away that helped me to be more resilient. I think. Yeah. How about you? I remember us both having our sick moments when we both got COVID. Yeah. And I remember we both had to take turns bringing each other Gatorade <laughs> and looking through the window and, and waving and waving. And we both Costco remember chicken. Yeah. And Costco chicken <laughs> and some, here's some chicken and yeah. some Gatorade. Yeah. And also just knowing that you had to be alone and, yeah. and where I had to be alone. And, and it's scary. It was scary. It was, scary. Yeah. It was super scary. You don't know if this is going to be it for you. Yeah. And the I'm, hugs, no hugs, no hugs. Like seeing my kids through the window and no hugs, just, Oh, that was, yeah. that was brutal. Even friend hugs. Too. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was something different that I've never experienced in my mm-hmm. life that happened. Um, and, and I think it just showed a different side of, you know, humanity, like, mm-hmm. 
and knowing the mental struggle that we would go through because we had seen all the horror stories and everything. Well, I'm wondering too, like, is it, I don't know, COVID is taking people out of this world. I could be one. I don't know if I have the, the, you know, the chemistry or whatever is needed to make that be me, but I hope I've lived well, loved well, done what I wanted to do. And it's a cause for self-reflection and going, what else, what else do I want to do and get Mm -hmm. done so that my life has the purpose and meaning that I wanted it to, Mm -hmm. you know? So you mentioned that you had the beliefs when you were 19 that you knew everything and you were ready to take on the world, start having kids and be the best mom ever. How did your belief system change and how did you build resiliency from that? I would say uh, my belief system changed. I no longer wanted, I didn't have the I'll have what they're having mentality anymore. It really was a matter of me understanding Um, what fed my spirit and my soul. And man, that took a lot of Saturdays getting quiet when my kids were gone with their dad, where I had to say, what do I believe? What does that look like? What are, what are my practices? How do I, how do I cultivate that in my, in my everyday um, actions? And so that, that was uh, a new change for me, but I, I know that I can't be told what to think or how to feel or what to believe anymore. I have to feel that that's, you know, in, in alignment with my values. And of course, if that that means we don't harm other people and all of those types of things. But it just means honoring myself first and putting myself on the list of things that are important and making sure that I'm doing some sort of practice, whether it's meditation, whether it's reading um, going for a walk, a hike, whatever that might be, but connection to something, you know, outside of myself has to be something that I feel the connection and somebody doesn't tell me, this is what you should and shouldn't feel. This is what you can and can't have. This is what you can and shouldn't, shouldn't believe. That doesn't, that doesn't resonate with me any longer. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it works for, for some people, but for me, that was something that I really had to do a deep dive. I read books on all different kinds of religions and mm-hmm. all different kinds of beliefs. And I took bits and pieces that felt right for me. Mm-hmm. And that really helped me to, to know that I'm, I'm my own compass. Mm-hmm. It's not, I don't have to reach outside myself or something. I, I can feel it inside when I'm in alignment, when I'm out of alignment with your spirit. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. And I think one of the issues that we do when we're young and we think we know everything we really don't know what our core values are. No. We don't know what we value. We don't know what our boundaries are. We probably don't have boundaries. I know I didn't. I didn't have boundaries and I didn't know what my core values were. I wanted to do the right thing, mm-hmm. but I was messing up mm-hmm. all over the place. My boundaries are different now. Yeah, the yeah. boundary, you know, but I didn't have enough self-worth at that time yeah. to create boundaries or believe that I was worth it or mm-hmm. people could not walk all over me or yeah. treat me. And people know. don't have to like it and you don't have to be liked all the time. Yeah, that was Whoa. a that was a news flash. Yeah. And so um I really like that your belief system has turned into something that you know you can live with and and I think that's part of building your resiliency is finding yeah. what is my purpose? Mm-hmm. What are my core values? Am I aligning with those? Yeah. When you're not, that's when you feel yucky inside. Yes. And knowing what I need, right? I can get up and face this if I know that I need to do some stretching, some deep breathing, and I need to do some, you know, meditation about about what the future looks like, or I need to go find a podcast on, you know, 
heart wide open. Mm-hmm. Keep your heart wide open. Don't close off. Keep that keep mm-hmm. that part of you. Don't shut the love off. Keep the love going, and don't constrict. Right. It's mm-hmm. like what does Brittany Brown say? Because you you know we were going to talk about yes this, right? yes probably. is the the soft front strong, strong back, back. Soft, soft front. Well, mm-hmm. when I was going through my divorce and figuring out my new belief system and all of that. You know, it was like I felt like I had to close off from everybody because I felt misunderstood. I felt judged. I felt um, different. I felt you wanted to armor up insecure. So I did. I armored up. But that did serve a purpose for the time because Mm -hmm. it made me help me protect myself while I was trying to get back to a a homeostasis. And so that when on the hard days and I faced new and different things, I could lean back on that resilience and say, I know how to do this. I need to get quiet. I need some time. I need to be alone. Mm-hmm. I need to go for a drive. I need to call a friend. I need to, you know, mm-hmm. get in touch with what I need. And that has been one of the most valuable things because I can tell somebody in any situation what I need right now. Yeah. That's a growth mindset, though, yeah, too. You're, absolutely. You absolutely have a mindset of learning and growing and, and knowing that your situation isn't those. This isn't the hand you're dealt like you can make something good even out of the bad. Dealt yeah. Hand. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's my favorite quote. And I have it in my office. Um, you don't, you don't have a right to the cards you believe you should have been dealt. You have an obligation to play the hell out of the ones you're holding Ooh, right now. I didn't this is that. what I'm holding right now, and I have an obligation to play the hell out of those. Because I mean, we all look back, right, and have regrets and wish things had been different, or we wouldn't have made that choice, or we wish we'd had a better childhood or upbringing or more money, or you know, we coulda, shoulda, woulda, all the things. But mm-hmm. it doesn't serve you well to stay stuck looking backwards. It's this is the hand I'm holding now. What am I going to do with it? Mm-hmm. And that that power is in that present moment when you can look at yourself and say, what can I do right now to better myself, to better my situation, to become more resilient, to overcome, to become more mm-hmm. all of those things. And who who could help me? Yeah. That's what I always ask too. Mm-hmm. Like, who, who could I trust? Who could help me when I'm in this place? And yeah. that's why you're here as my first guest yeah. today because I know that I, I have that person and that is so amazing. And I have... I'm very fortunate that I have some people that I can lean on, but I, I don't think some people are open enough to be that close and that mm-hmm. vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's one of the, and loneliness is an epidemic. And you, yeah. talk, you talked about regret and I just finished the power of regret by Daniel Pink and um, the research from the American regret uh, study says that the most regretted things are the things that aren't done. Not like mm-hmm. mistakes that we yeah. do make, but actually mistakes or things that we didn't do when we didn't stand up to the bully, when we didn't mm-hmm. tell somebody what, or stand up for ourselves, when we didn't um, get off the train and um, ask that person on a date, when we didn't, yeah. those regrets at the end of life, if we, mm-hmm. if we think about our life as it unfolds, what do you want to be on your deathbed? You know, did I do, are you going to be going, I wish I would have worked more? Or would you be like, or would you, if the kind of work that we're doing now, I don't mind because I love it. It fuels yeah, my spirit yeah, yeah, yeah. and same with you. Yeah. So, but, but there also has to be that rhythm of family time. And then there has to be the rhythm of mm. um, time to fuel your spirit, not just mm. be work, 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 you know? Mm. So I think that that's a really big part of it. The regret helps us to, you, we need to reflect so that we can yeah. learn from it. But what we don't want to do is get our head back in the rear view mirror too long and start ruminating. And really making choices and really thinking them through so that you can live with whatever regret may come. Yeah. You know, like I'm going to make this choice 
what are the consequences of this choice or this choice or this choice? And not just thinking it through impulsively right now, this is what I want, mm-hmm. but what are the ripple effects from that? Mm-hmm. How could this turn out for me? And then leaning into that wisdom and continuing to learn as you go mm-hmm. through all those things, right? Yeah. And and weeding out the stuff where you go, no, that's not in alignment with my core values. That's mm-hmm. not in alignment with who I want to continue to become. Mm-hmm. That choice is off the table. Mm-hmm. And so not having regret means making choices that are meaningful and intentional absolutely as well and that ripple effect of resilience i mm. think is watching you be resilient watching yeah. my kids be resilient watching friends people i know just watching them also gives me power i don't know mm. about you but yeah. seeing other people's stories underdog stories and yeah. cinderella stories so it just that really ignites my spirit in going if they can do that if they can lose a leg and and walk around on a you know in in a war and and find and not lose dignity and come in just feel like you know it was what it was their purpose mm-hmm. you know and it aligned them with what was more meaningful to them and helped them connect with people who needed that connection from someone else in the same situation absolutely it's such a powerful thing i love it i yeah. love it so good it is so how do you try to cultivate resilience in the people in your life, like your students, your children, you know, your coworkers, because you know, we all have different levels of resilience. And it is a state and mm-hmm. a trait, like some of us are born more resilient. Yeah. And then we have the trait and that's a skill or, or so the the state is um, what we are. The trait is what we're born with, but the state is, yeah. um, is environmental. So we can focus on improving that in the yeah. workplace and in our children. And, and so how do you cultivate resilience in the people you know and love? Uh, a few things come to mind. First one is I, I used to work with clients and take them out into the, the social situations and, you know, have opportunities for coaching and things like that. And I found this little Oprah Winfrey, like what I know for sure book or lessons I've learned or something. And it was just a little book, but these really just gems of, of life wisdom. And, and one of them, it said, until you know what to do, do nothing. You know, she'd given a story of something, but that was the advice. And I remember thinking, aha, get quiet, listen, make sure you know. And when you know, you'll know. And that's when you make the decision or that's when you do the thing. And that was so helpful because if we act out of impulses or because of emotional reactions or whatever, we tend to regret mm-hmm. and have the guilt but if you can say, until I know what to do, I'm not doing anything. Until this becomes clear, mm-hmm. I'm going to sit with this. I think you can build your own trust in yourself, and that makes you resilient. Um, I know that we had a trip in your van, and I was on the struggle bus big time. We were in your van bus, bus but I was on the struggle bus. It wasn't your bus. I should it was get the license plate. It's the struggle bus. bus. <laughs> but I remember you asking me if I could hold space and give grace, and I it blew my mind. So when other people are in struggle or when they're not doing what I think they should be doing or when I'm in struggle and I'm not sure what I should be doing, can I hold space for what's happening and can I give grace to myself or other people while it gets figured out? And that has helped me become more calm and approach things in a different way. So I feel like I'm not making rushed decisions and I'm also being more a more compassionate human mm-hmm. for myself first and foremost mm-hmm. and then in my relationships with other people. That one's been a game changer. Yeah. And then something I've tried with my daughters, I have one daughter, 
um, that I gave birth to, but I'm a kid collector and my sons are both engaged. And then my youngest son has a, a girlfriend he's had for about a year. And, you know, they're just kind of my family. And so I just bring them all in and they're just part of my, my kid group. And mm-hmm. um, we started a body, mind, spirit Snapchat thread where we do something that helps our body, mind or spirit so that we can show up as our best selves so that we can work through the hard mm-hmm. things. Um, and so we just send stuff to each other that's helpful to us and that gives us other ideas of what other people are doing. Those are just a few things that, that yeah. I think, but I also like to read a lot. I, I, I like to, to figure out what other people have done and mm-hmm. where they've drawn their strength from and where mm-hmm. their stories come from and how they overcome. So. One of the things I've witnessed from you, from your start program is that you also create a space for everyone to feel safe. Yeah. Um, and that is in your friendships and in your family and in your classroom and in your classroom there's a bond like none other. Yeah. This is not a, this is a, this is a, we are a team. This is a it's brotherhood Ubuntu. or a sisterhood, right? Have you heard of Ubuntu? Ubuntu, yeah. yeah. It, so it is, it is such a, a safe space that people feel loved and seen and yeah. heard for the first time. And courageous. And cor- and they have mm. a place to become mm. watered and, and cared on and showered with um, the support and the belief in yeah. them that they've probably never had. Yeah. And, and that isn't that such a gift of what you've had to go through to be able to share and mm-hmm. help others yeah. after you've went through all of that? Yeah, it really is. And it, <clears throat> it makes me uh, grateful for the struggle, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't, you don't find your strength unless you go through struggle. Mm-hmm. It's like the caterpillar story, classic caterpillar mm-hmm. story. But we have our students do a, a shield and symbol presentation where they pick a, a symbol and then a shield uh, to, to put the symbol on. And that's kind of the way that they explain their life experience or what it is that they draw strength from. And these, oh man, these students just have this reflective inner strength that nobody's really tapped into. And once you tap into their potential and they see it and they feel it and they, they it makes them hungry for it. And it is, it's because they are safe, they are heard. They are cared about. They we have wraparound services, right? They can have the counseling, they have the tutoring, they have the mentoring, they have me, they have the instructors, and they can come back anytime for anything that they need and we'll help any of them. And they know that. Mm-hmm. And I've got students who are they've been asked to write chapters and books on on mass incarceration. And before that, they never even thought about going to college. And now they're just full throttles, full speed ahead, and people see their potential and they want what they have to offer this planet. You have a PhD student too, don't you? Oh, yeah. Start program. Yeah, yeah. In yeah. Um, physical, physical therapy. therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Physical therapy. Cruz, yeah, he did graduate with his. It was our first PhD student, and remarkable, yeah. remarkable story. And every student since remarkable story. And I think that I what I love about that too is that is everybody has a story. We we get too busy and we stop seeing people as humans. We see them as objects and we start, mm-hmm. you know, disconnecting ourselves from them or justifying our behavior towards them. And really, if you knew most people's stories, you'd be humbled or even brought to your knees. For sure. About the strength that it's taken to even stand some days yeah. with, with loss and change and trauma and all of the things. So, yeah. yeah. Speaking of PhDs, <laughs> I think you've earned one, haven't you? I, I, we talked about your PhD. We both are lovers of education because yes. it changed our life, and neither mm-hmm. of us have one, except we feel like we have a PhD in resiliency. <laughs> 
So it's kind of our it's kind of our little claim to yeah. fame. Um, I don't know that we do, but I I feel like we've been through the trenches enough. And when we start when you start to help other people, yeah, because of your struggle, I think that's when you've kind of leveled up, um, where you're at a place where it's not your story is what happened to you, but it's not yeah. that it's not that's not where it ends. Yeah, it ends in helping other people, and that's where I feel like yeah, my purpose is. Yeah. It's going back into the fire for people mm-hmm. when you know that that place is going to burn down and all they need is someone to show them the way out. Yeah. It's it's that. And it's also getting in the trenches with people and saying, I'm not leaving until we walk out of this together. Yeah. I'm right here. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff, that level of support and and really the respect of confidentiality and making sure that you hold what people share and that you don't take other people's um, suffering or vulnerability for granted and really just having a sacred space for that. I think people feel um, changed by that. Absolutely. I know I have. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time today. Yes. Uh, this so was nice a great discussion, and I'm so glad to have you as our first guest. Yeah, it's, it was a little intimidating, so, Me too. you know. I was a little scared, so too, a little vulnerable. You just got to brave it. You just yeah. got to show up, right? Yeah. So, the rest will fall, fall into it. So thank you for listening to Leader You. We know your time is your most precious resource. Please share with your friends and family and learn more about us at blackriverpm.com.